Hey everybody, welcome back to Bikes and Big Ideas. I'm David Golay, the bike editor at Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Okay, so my guest this week on the show is Adam Pierce of Love Your Brain, and we're having a pretty important conversation this week because it's about traumatic brain injuries, which are an unfortunate reality of a lot of the outdoor sports that we all love. And we're talking about a lot of the work that Love Your Brain is doing to help support folks who are recovering from them. And along the way, we get into it about the injury to Adam's brother, Kevin, a professional snowboarder that sparked the founding of Love Your Brain in the first place, everything that they're doing, their current raffle with Revel bikes to win either a Rail 29 or a Rover gravel bike that's raising money to support what Love Your Brain is up to and a whole lot more. It's a cool conversation with a lot of important information in it and a lot of stuff about just the ways that the conversations around TBIs are changing in the world and what we could be doing better, what we're doing well now, and a whole lot more. But before we get into that, I want to encourage you to take a quick minute to check out our Blister membership and all of the great benefits that you get with it, including the ability to send us an email to get some advice on your next bike purchase, upgrade, suspension setup, whatever it is that you're struggling with, a bunch of really good discounts on things including wheels and bars and stems from We Are One, and a whole lot more. So check it out at the link in the show notes. There's a lot of good stuff in there. And with that, let's get right to my conversation with Adam. Adam, thanks for taking the time to chat today. How are you today and where are you today? I'm doing great. Psyched to be here. I'm in Norwich, Vermont. Great. And so kind of our mission here is just to talk a bit about Love Your Brain and all the work that you are up to with that. So just to kick it off, I guess, how about you give us a little bit of a rundown of what Love Your Brain is and what you do there? Great. Yeah. And I'll actually take you back to what started this this work for us. So about 12 years ago, my younger brother, Kevin Pierce, uh, was a professional snowboarder, um, just had come off a year where he pretty much won every contest he had entered around the world and was the only person to beat Sean White going into the 2010 Winter Olympics. Um, on New Year's Day, he had a really bad training accident in Park City, Utah, where he sustained a traumatic brain injury. And the next 14 days after that, you know, we were pretty unsure if he was going to live. He was in a coma. Um, and then the next six months we were in hospitals, you know, basically putting all the work in we could to help him regain things like walking and talking, um, and all that comes with that. So it really exposed us, I guess, in the most, uh, real way uh, of what traumatic brain injuries are and how they impact the lives of those who have them and the families who are there to support them. And kind of fast forward, that led us to making a documentary called The Crash Reel with HBO that really put into motion, uh, I think it opened our eyes to see the, the, the um, just the, how common TBIs are and how complex they are. And just some stats that help kind of put that into perspective. So oh, over 2.8 million TBIs occur every year in the U.S. alone. And that's generally an underestimate because of, you know, people not going into the ER and getting those visits. Um, TBI is the leading cause of death, death and disability in the world. Um, 
And between mild, moderate, severe TBI, mild concussion is, is about 75% of TBIs. A lot of times people don't realize that concussions are a form of traumatic brain injury. Um, and then I think it's probably relevant on, on here to just share that there's more TBIs happening in biking than there is in football. So I think just with, you know, with that kind of um, onslaught of information and I think realization how big this is, you can imagine we were kind of pulled into um, so many different people's stories of, of how significant and challenging these, these situations were for people. And we just said, hey, we got we to gotta think about what we do from here and how do we support people. Right. And so you mentioned there just that making the documentary and sort of having your eyes opened to how common TBIs are and what the just going through them looks like for both the actually the people who suffer the injuries, but also their loved ones and caregivers and all the rest. What sort of then spurred you to kind of take the next steps and or what did you decide was the appropriate next steps to take as far as moving forward with love your brain and kind of what, what made that feel like the right Avenue to pursue, I guess. Yeah, it's such a good question. We spent, we spent a couple years really trying to figure out, you know, what were, what were things that Kevin were doing and why they were really helping him? Because, I mean, his progress was just like it surpassed every doctor's expectation. So one thing we realized is that TBI is a whole person challenge. So when I say that, it's, it affects physical, cognitive, emotional, social. Um, and one thing that became very clear to us was the social component and how almost every person we were talking to said that they were feeling incredibly isolated. And, you know, when we looked at Kevin's situation, he had an incredible support group around him. He had family, he had friends, he had the whole snowboard community behind him. And it played a, a significant role in his ability to, to move forward. So I think when we started, we realized that we had to create something that brought people together and allowed people to really be seen and be heard and, um, have that common understanding amongst them. So that led us to doing our first retreat in Vermont, where we brought about 50 people with brain injuries together. We brought nutritionists, doctors, neuroscientists um, across the board and tried to create a week around holistic brain health healing. And I think what has stayed true from that time for me is that um, it is all about human connection. Um, you know, and I really feel like there are elements of healing that don't start until real human connections made. And when I say that, like the ability to be vulnerable, to really um, to be seen as you are, to be heard as you are, um, and, to, and to create that sense of belonging so people can really be themselves. And once I think that happens, what we start to see is just a huge shift in people's ability to move forward. I like that. And so how would you describe what Love Your Brain does in a few sentences or what's kind of the summary of the organization's mission and goals. Yeah. So our mission is to improve the lives of people affected by brain injury through programs that foster resilience and build community. So really helping people um, understand that 
you know, that challenges are going to arise and it's less about what those are, but more about the mindset we have to face those. So helping um, people also see the power of turning inward. Oftentimes, you know, we can, we can sit there and say, oh, you know, this, this happened or that person did this to me and feel like a victim. And I think, you know, Kevin's been an incredible example of someone who says, no, 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 like, this is something that I was met with. And it's now my kind of goal to figure out how to move through it. Um, and not taking that kind of poor me approach rather than like, whoa, let's, let's figure out like what this is and how we're going to deal with it. So I think there's, yeah, there's just that element to what we do, which is just around, um, helping people reframe what, what they're looking at and then finding ways to kind of navigate that. Yeah. And let's go deeper on that then. So tell us a bit more about what that looks like in practice and what you do and what, tell us more about the programs that you run to further those goals? Yeah. So the programs are, they mainly revolve around using yoga and meditation as, as a kind of gateway to exploring those kind of things. So really, um, you know, I would say like with meditation, it's really about getting still and getting quiet. So you can start to see the stories and the thoughts that are driving so much of your behavior. And instead of getting pulled and, and, and guided by those, having the ability to pause and create space and then respond to those. So you feel a sense of control and um, a more skillful ability to kind of meet, meet all of those things that are, are coming up. How did you sort of arrive on that as a useful tool in the kit of things to kind of process and work through a traumatic brain injury? Because I think it's sort of easy to have a lot of the thinking being centered around kind of, I don't know, for lack of a better term, I guess, more Western medicine, just trying to fix the problem in a more direct way and lose a bit of sight of what kind of the more holistic, just the everything that's going on with a, a person who's suffered something. And I, there's a tendency, I think, in a, to look at injuries and traumatic brain injuries included, but not uniquely in this regard as just sort of a, a medical problem to quote unquote fix. And, you know, as we are increasingly learning, it's not really how they work necessarily, or at least not entirely. And so what brought you to that point of thinking that, or realizing that yoga was a useful tool and how did you get there? Yeah, it was completely based on experience. You know, Kevin was seeing all the top doctors in the country for his eyes, his vision that was really challenging him. I mean, everything really. So, um, and let's, let's be straight here. Like that, that, that is really important. There's a lot of science that is incredibly, incredibly uh, important in this process. And there's also, I think what we saw is another uh, piece that is maybe yeah, maybe as is important to include. And I think for us, we saw Kevin going to these doctors, he was doing OT, PT, all of the therapies. Um, but not until he got on a yoga mat and participated in his first yoga class, I never saw what looked like like a transformation of him in an experience. Um, and he always kind of, you know, one of his ways of sharing that is when you go to, when you go to all these therapies, you're constantly really just looking at a mirror of what's wrong with you. 
you're seeing the deficits or seeing, you know, you need to do this better that way. In yoga, you can show up to a yoga mat and, and as I said, like turn inward and not necessarily continuously be measured on where you're at and where you need to get to rather than just being where you are. And I think in that process, especially with brain injury, the healing process is so long that there has to be space for people to find an acceptance and find an okayness with where they're at. And I think that's a, that, that was a big step for Kevin as, as he progressed out of the um, more inpatient things to, to finding, yeah, things that he could actually feel good about and feel like he was, um, yeah, excelling and rather than continuously be met with you know, frustration or, uh, things that were, yeah, showing the opposite. Yeah. I like that a lot. And to be very clear, I certainly didn't mean to minimize the medical and scientific side of things, just that there's more pieces to the puzzle than just that. And, um, I, I like the thought that, you know, all of those things are of course good and important and necessary, but that sort of, some additional care for just person's mental state and sense of self and uh, ability to kind of be as they are after having gone through this injury is important too. And so you founded Love Your Brain. You've been running these programs. What have you learned from just meeting folks who have gone through traumatic brain injuries and hearing their different stories and how varied are those experiences and what have you taken away from running all of those? I think the first thing, thing, thing that comes up is that every brain injury is different and the pathway to healing can be unique depending on one's own circumstances. But I do believe there's a common need for community and an ability to tap into, um, our potential. And sometimes that can be blocked based on the different challenges that arise. And I think what I get most out of is seeing people show up with a mindset that this is the way it is. And I'm never going to be the person I want to, or this is the person I want to be. Is that, you know, that, that old Kevin, but then, and then help them shift into seeing, Oh, look at this new person that exists. And what about these new qualities that might be here that, are potentially better than that old version of you. And I think that often I see people moving from this sense of wishing that they were that old person to now really like thriving in the new me and seeing how much uh, more there is when that, when that kind of, when that openness arrives. And that's a major, that takes a lot of work and, and a lot of courage to face that because I think all of us, you know, when we have something happen to us, we generally try to go back to what was. Um, and it's a big process to try to figure out um, the unknown and, and think about that as like as a new pathway. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I've been fortunate enough to not suffer a TBI that had a particularly protracted recovery period or anything like that. But just thinking about other injuries that I've had over the years, um, perhaps most notably really blowing up my knee skiing a few years ago. Um, what you said about the, the focus just being on getting back to the way that I was before 
really resonates. I mean, and certainly it's just that it's, it's very easy to get caught up in being determined to get back to what exactly feels like your old normal. And it can be hard to reach an acceptance of the fact that your body has, has been changed and maybe you're not necessarily going to a hundred percent get to where you, where you once were and sort of making peace with that and learning to, as you said, thrive in the, this new normal that's developed can be, can be very difficult and certainly see the parallels there. So for folks who might be listening to this and thinking that some of the love your brain programs might be useful to them or a loved one, what kind of tell us more about what you're up to and how folks might get in touch and get involved and what all that looks like. Yeah. Um, so we offer programs that are in person. We hold retreats. There's yoga classes in different yoga studios that people can attend. And then there's an, a whole online program as well. So um, from an accessibility lens, if you are interested in um, yeah, meeting other people who have experienced maybe similar challenges or going through things that you, yeah, that you would find helpful. There's amazing um, facilitators who lead online programs that integrate, yeah, different, um, different techniques and how to, you know, think about sleep, thinking about uh, memory, um, just all of the different, um, yeah, elements that, that come with TBI. There's an amazing group of people who are not only there to, be able to share and connect over their stories, but really who are intentionally there to thrive and kind of move, move beyond those. And I always find that as such a, a big inspiration to this community because it, it really does feel like people are showing up and always trying to find ways to get better. Um, and yeah, it's all about resilience and how to keep, you know, bouncing back time and time again to, to get better. I realize that love your brain's work is much more focused on the, recovery after an injury rather than prevention and things like that. But I am curious for your thoughts on how the conversations around TBIs in action sports in particular and just the world at large have changed over the 10 plus years that you've been doing this because it feels like the sports world has been kind of slow to come around to the seriousness of TBIs and things are changing there, but, um, what has that shift looked like from your perspective and are there kind of things that feel like obvious next steps that we ought to be taking as far as our treatment of and thinking about TBIs? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, obviously in the last 12 years, I think there have def there's definitely been a lot more awareness, I think largely due to football, um, but I remember, I mean, Kevin, and I didn't even know what a TBI was when he had his first injury. Um, so I just think like there's a general level of awareness that has really changed since then. Um, but I will say what I'm really excited about is companies like Revel, who are uh, raffling off bikes right now that's, that um, support all of our programs all of the all of the money gets donated to Love Your Brain from these two raffle items um, that makes our programs free and accessible for people with brain injury. To me, the the the, the subtle shift in that that's happening from a corporate lens, right? Early days is 
I, as a corporation, I don't want to be attached to a traumatic brain injury, right? There's a risk risk associated with these sports. It doesn't look good if I'm associated to that, et cetera. But now seeing a company like Revel who sells bikes, people have had injuries on bikes, being at the forefront of saying, hey, you know what? Even though there is risk here, there's also organizations like Love Your Brain that are out there supporting you when it does happen. And I just have so much admiration for people in the industry who are willing to, to shift from this kind of either fear or cool factor to like, hey, this is a reality. Let's figure out how to be most supportive in um, yeah, helping people heal and get better and get back on bikes or skis or snowboards. Um, and I just think there, I think to me, that shift is happening and it's, it's, it's truly exciting. And I think we see it in the thousands of people that are donating for these bikes are not only donating, but commenting to say, Hey, I've had a head injury or my friend has had a head injury. I never knew this organization existed. Um, and we're deeply supportive of creating more of a culture where, where we can talk about these things and support each other going through them. I guess for the second part of that, are there things that you would still like to see change? Obviously, what you talked about seems like a very positive step, but that doesn't mean that that's sort of the end of the road. What could we be doing better as a action sports community and just world at large? Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't think I have all the answers here, but I do feel, you know, I did st- my first, my first reaction to it was like, athletes need to take more of a stance in this. But as over time, I have felt like. I think everyone does, but just as much as the athletes, it's on the corporations who are who are driving a lot of the decisions. And I can speak from my own experience of just, you know, being a young snowboarder trying to, you know, get to the top of the cool factor that comes with that. And I'm still surprised that, you know, these companies support these athletes to go out and participate at the highest level, but there's no requirement of even wearing a helmet. You know, and I think I'm not one to say we should be making people or forcing people to do stuff, but it surprises me that my guess is that we all believe in longevity and our health and our wellness. So why wouldn't we be having more conversations that drive athletes to just make the smartest decisions? You know, there are still friends of Kevin's who were there in the accident, you know, at the accident in the hospital have seen his, the last 10 years of his life that don't wear helmets on a snowboard. And I'm, I'm like, I'm pretty shocked by that, but I, I don't put that just on them. I think there's, um, I think there's a conversation to be had. Yeah. Among everyone in this, in the, in these communities to, um, think about like, what does success look like? What does, um, what does the ultimate, like, superhero look like in these sports and to me they're athletes like in surfing you see a guy like owen wright right he's wearing helmets he's he's talking about this he's educating the youth about head injuries um ian boswell's of the world you know like just super down to earth real um and and really like shifting the shifting the culture i think of how people perceive um the importance of taking care of our brains yeah, uh, I think that's a good thought. And certainly having people like those folks that you mentioned kind of leaning from the front and showing that taking these issues seriously is g- great and important. I think the thing that I sort of 
struggle with with thinking about this sometimes, I guess, is just that having individuals like that taking a stand is is excellent, but it still feels a little bit individualized and there's not any more cohesive kind of overarching organization of any of these things. And, you know, to talk about football again, you, you, which has sort of been, as you said, one of the places where this conversation has been most at the forefront in the public at large, you know, you have things like attempts to bring in independent concussion spotters and things like that to take the decision out of the hands of the players and the teams as to whether or not someone can continue after they've potentially suffered an injury and that sort of thing, which seems like at least a good idea if implemented well. And you can, there's some debate to be had whether they've nailed that part of it yet, but um, I don't, you know, I think it's, it's a hard thing to figure out what solutions like that might look like in action sports. And I don't know, are there, things that you can think of on the prevention side rather beyond just having more people saying wear a helmet, don't kind of take as much risk with these sorts of things that we could be doing to better organize and better educate and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's such a hard question. I mean, I think I agree with you. I think there's gotta be, it can't just be coming from like one or two or a handful of different individuals, but I, I do think there's, um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's so hard when you're in it, like from my perspective and you see, um, you see what, like not only the person has to go through, but the families and the people that have to, to care for these people with head injuries. And it's like, there's such, there's also like quite a selfish act. I find at times if, if you're going out there just being like, well, it only, it, it like this just affects me. Cause the reality is if it happens, uh, it doesn't just affect you. It affects a lot of people. And it, and I've seen families have to upend like everything in their lives to take care of their children 24 seven. Um, that it just, yeah, that it just shifts so much. So yeah, I don't know. You know, I think there's a lot in just ability for athletes and people to, to share their stories. Cause I think that's how we generally find connection and, and generally changes when we relate and hear from people's stories. Like I've just, I'm constantly so just amazed at the impact that Crash Reel continues to have and people writing us being like, Hey, you know, I didn't realize my sibling had had a brain injury four years ago and now we're doing this and it's making these differences because I saw Kevin's story. So I just think, um, yeah, we need more people and people and corporations to be hopefully leading, leading elements of this change. But I guess the short answer is I don't, I don't know exactly how to do it. Yeah. It's a hard one. And I, don't think I have the answers either, but it's just something to keep working on and keep trying to move forward with. And to bring it back around a little bit, you've spoken really well, I think, about just how a traumatic brain injury does impact more than just the person who suffered it. And I'd be curious to hear any more general thoughts you have about what you would tell the either someone who has themselves suffered a traumatic brain injury or the 
loved ones and caregivers or someone you has as far as advice for navigating that new world. And, you know, once this injury's happened, how would you advise folks to move forward from it? The two words that just came to mind were patience and persistence. You know, this is, this can be a lifelong journey and you have to have patience because it, it can be slow. But I, I will, I tell everyone, especially if you're in your first or second year after it, like you are still in the very early phases. And I still, 12 years later, see Kevin continuing to improve. But that improvement comes from making good decisions, what you eat, you know, how much you're getting rest, like all of the things that um, support support healing are incredibly important. So I would say like continuously try new things and, and make decisions that you believe are going to be kind of, yeah, that will be supportive for your health. Um, and yeah, surround yourself with people who have your best interest. Cause I think a lot of times, yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard to see people who don't have the support around them and help them make smart decisions because, um, for whatever reasons, that's just not an option. So my hope is that, yeah, love your brain can also serve in that way to give people who don't feel that sense of support, um, an ability to tap into that network. Yeah. I think that's a good thought that taking the, the issue seriously and really taking care of yourself and letting yourself heal as best you can doing what you can to, to further that's important. And, uh, this is just, I think, been a really good chat about the an important issue and one that the adventure action sports community needs to be continuing to have and thinking about more. Well, I, yeah, I just wanted to add, I think one other thing that, that my message would be is that like people have to still live life and, and do the things that fill them with joy and give them a sense of accomplishment and meaning and purpose. And that that can be a, a tricky spot for for the yeah for kind of deciding what is is too risky versus what is has a healthy amount of risk to go and uh, participate in life because I don't think anyone's well off when they when they can't so I think it's it's finding ways to um, actively engage with the things that either you did or you're learning how to do um, and not let fear get in the way of of finding joy in that dimension. Yeah, certainly I don't think anyone's saying that we all need to not go live our lives and do the things that we love. Just try to be smart about it and manage those risks and sort of there's a balance to be struck there. Yeah. And I say that a little bit from the perspective as as a caregiver, because when you see a loved one go through it and see the the impact, it also comes with like, the oh, no, what if it happens again? feeling. So you're trying to do everything in your ability to not let that happen again. And sometimes if you're not really paying attention to what you're actually contributing, that can, that can start to get in the way of allowing that person to thrive. So more from that perspective. And you've mentioned that you're still seeing improvement and that he's very much surpassed what the doctor's initial predictions were. How's Kevin doing these days? Yeah, he's good, man. He's he's got a, a young baby girl who's just an incredible source of light in his life. Um, an amazing wife. Yeah, he's he's 
never would have imagined where where he'd be right now, but it's um, it's pretty cool to witness. Really glad to hear it. And well, I guess before I let you go, just any final parting thoughts that you want to close with? I think just you know, if you've had a head injury, um, don't be afraid to to talk about it and use Love Your Brain as a resource to heal and and get better. Um, the more people yeah, or in this conversation and feel okay about being in it. I think that's going to be the real shift to how, um, how we manage and, and move, move it along. So just know that, yeah, you're not alone. And there's a lot of people out there who are dealing with similar things. And, uh, the more we can come together, the better, better the result. I like that thought a lot. And I think it just gets at the idea that brain injuries are, unfortunately just going to continue to be a reality in a lot of the activities that we all take part in and so just continuing to have the conversation that that is the reality of things and that rather than trying to sweep them under the rug or downplay the thought of it because it's not a comfortable thing to think about you know you you don't really want to acknowledge that that's a possibility in some ways but the fact of the matter is that that risk is there and so just continuing to be cognizant and talk about that and sort of normalize the fact that that's that's the reality and that there are resources out there for folks and so uh i think that's important and glad we've been able to sit down and chat about it a little bit this has been good yeah thank you thanks for bringing more awareness to it That's it for this edition of Bikes and Big Ideas. And as always, if you're enjoying these shows, we would really appreciate you leaving us a rating and review in Apple Podcasts to help keep the show going, growing, and finding a new audience. I also want to say thanks to Adam for the conversation, thanks to Taylor Ahern for producing the episode, and thanks to you for listening. From all of us at Blister, please take good care of yourself and everybody else, and we'll talk to you again next week. Bye, everybody.